This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Uh, let me give a bit of a shout-out to a regular listener located in Thedford, Vermont. Hi to Bill Shepard, and thank you, Bill, for your note sent to me last month. Now, I do read and appreciate all notes sent to me here at Theater of the Mind. Bill mentioned in his notes that he's a big fan of detective and Western genres. Well, Bill, you'll be a happy camper tonight because we've got Gunsmoke in the first slot this evening. Bill also mentioned that the fall colors down there were starting to fade a bit in Vermont. I expect by now the trees are pretty bare. Hey, thanks for letting me know of your favorite shows, and I'd love to hear from others as well. Just email me at f.proctor at mzmedia.com. That's f.proctor at mzmedia.com. By the way, Proctor ends with an O-R, okay? Thanks, and I'll look forward to hearing from you. So it's off to the Western Plains we go to listen to William Conrad's deep, resonant voice. He was heard in the role of Marshal Matt Dillon on CBS Radio's gritty series Gunsmoke from April 26 of 1952 to June 18th of 1961. The producers originally rejected him for the part because he showed up on so many radio dramas and the familiarity of his voice became a negative, but his impressive audition could not be dismissed and he became the obvious choice for the role. Conrad voiced Dillon for the show's nine-year run. Tonight's episode, it's entitled Cavalcade, and it was first aired in 1953. Around Dark City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. <laughs> Smoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Could I give you some more coffee? Uh, yeah, I guess so. How about you, Chester? Yes, sir, I believe I will. Uh, why don't you just leave the coffee pot here on the table, Miss Keller? Why, sure thing, Marshal. Right. Well, I got some fresh eggs this morning, if you're interested. They oh. were just brought in. Well, good, good. 
Uh, cook us up about a half a dozen of them, huh? Have them for you right away, Mr. Dillon. <laughs> All right. Fresh eggs. My. I'll swear if Delmonico's ain't getting to be about as fancy as some of them Kansas City restaurants. <laughs> well, that's civilization, Chester. Progress. Another five years and Dodge City will be tamed, curried, and bridled. <laughs> see and believe it, Mr. Dillon. <laughs> well, you'll see it. Both of us will see it. That is, if we live that long. Yeah. I beg your pardon, gentlemen. Uh... You Mr. Dillon, yeah. the marshal here? Ah, uh, yes, that's right. Well, I'm sorry to bother you at breakfast, marshal. My name is Hunter. Ed Hunter. Mr. Hunter? I'm a deputy sheriff from Richmond, Virginia. Come in on the Santa Fe this morning. I see. Well, uh, why don't you pull up a chair, Mr. Hunter? Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, Chester Proudfoot, Mr. Hunter. How do you do? How do you do? See, it's my first trip to the frontier. I find it a rather remarkable experience. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, won't you have some coffee? I know, thank you. Marshal, I'm here to arrest two men who are wanted in Virginia. No? Here are the warrants and the orders of extradition. I stopped off for them in Topeka. Uh-huh. Uh, John Allison. Calvin Moore. Both wanted for murder, huh? Hey, do you know these men, Mr. Hunter? No, sir, I don't. Well, the names aren't familiar to me. I never heard of them. Have you a Chester? No, sir, Mr. Dillon. Well, I have some information that may help. Not much on Allison, I'm afraid. He shot and killed a bank teller at Greenbrier last spring. Oh? He's about 30 years old, dark hair and mustache, medium build, an excellent horseman and a confirmed gambler. <laughs> well, that's fine. That narrows it down to about two-thirds of the men in Dodge City. <laughs> well, possibly I can do a bit better in regard to Calvin Moore, Mr. Hill. Now, he came down to Richmond from the north and set up practice as a medical doctor. He was about 29 at the time. And he ambushed and shot young Roger Beauregard and then left town. That was, uh, 17 years ago. Beauregard's been trying to trace him ever since. Oh, I'm afraid that's pretty well, I have a time picture to... of Moore, photograph. Oh? Of course, he was much younger than this. Oh, sometimes there's still quite a resemblance, even after 17. Something familiar about that picture, Mr. Dillon? Uh, uh, 17 years. He must be somewhere past 45 now, huh? Hmm. Are you sure that these men are here in Dodge, Mr. Hunter? Reasonably so. Is there something about that photograph that makes you... Well, it's, it's too blurred to tell much about it. Besides, he'd be 17 years older. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, i tell you what, Mr. Hunter. Suppose you leave the picture and the descriptions with me, and I'll check around town, and I'll keep in touch with you. Uh, thank you, sir. Oh, I wonder if you might suggest a good hotel. Uh, certainly. Why don't you try the Dodge House? It's the corner of Railroad Avenue at the end of the plaza of the East End. Uh, tell a deacon I sent you. I uh, thank you again, Mr. Dillon. And I'll be grateful for any help you can give me in this matter. Yeah, sure. So long. You want to see the photograph, Chester? Yes, sir, I do. Well, well Mr. Dillon, that is... That is... Yeah. What are you going to do, Mr. Dillon? I don't know, Chester, He's my friend. I, I, I never asked him anything about his life before he came here. Didn't seem to matter. But now the law says he's a murderer. I'm part of the law. So now it does matter. Maybe it's not him. No, it's him, all right, Chester. You saw it the same as I did. It's dark. <laughs> Thank you. 
Click, 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 click. This is the first chance I've had this week to clean a few instruments properly. <sighs> Gunshot wounds. Oh, Matt. I'll lay odds I'm the only doctor in the United States who makes three-fourths of his living off of gunshot wounds. <laughs> That's a rough country, Doc. Yes, indeed it's a rough country. Uh, maybe you ought to have stayed back east. Yes, huh? see, broken bones, babies, and gunshot wounds. Well, I wouldn't know the first thing about a good civilized case of gout anymore. Uh, what part of the east did you come from, Doc? You see, I went to medical school in Boston. I studied consumption, colic, liver complaints... <laughs> Never had a case of liver complaint in all the time I've been here, though. No, I guess that kind of thing is more common down south, around uh, Richmond, Virginia, for instance, huh? Matt, stop beating around the bush. You've got something on your mind, and it's bothering you. Look, Doc, uh, a deputy sheriff from Virginia came in on the morning train. He's got a warrant for murder against a man named Calvin Moore. He's got a photograph of Moore taken 17 years ago. Would you like to look at it? All things are taken from us and become portions and parcels of the dreadful past. Are you Calvin Moore? It wasn't murder, Matt. They said it was murder, of course. The Beauregards were an important family. Would you like to tell me about it? Oh, not much to tell, Matt. I had been in practice in Richmond about a year. There was a girl, beautiful girl, with spirit and fire and that soft radiance that only southern girls seem to have. Me, that was so long ago. I've been in the south myself. Roger Beauregard and I were both caught in this girl. He was a typical Virginia gentleman, hot-headed, used to having his own way. He started threatening me. Warning me. And I laughed it off. Then one day I was coming back from a case and I ran into Roger on a country road. He had a pair of dueling pistols and he challenged me. What? Well, that's not a crime, Doc. That's self-defense. It's not a crime here or anywhere. Well, I tried to talk him out of it, but he was crazy mad. He shoved one of the pistols in my hand and he pulled back on his horse and he leveled his gun. I had no choice. We both fired. He missed. I didn't. Self-defense, yes, but there were no witnesses, and I was an outsider, a Yankee. So you ran for it, is that it? I ran for it. St. Louis, Virginia City, Montana Territory, the Panhandle, Wichita, Abilene, and Dodge. I changed my name to Charles Adams. And the, uh, the girl, Doc. What happened to her? I waited for her in St. Louis. We were married there. Two months later, she died of typhoid fever. Well, you never know. No matter how much you figure you understand somebody, you just quite never know. I can't go back there, Matt. I've got no defense. I'd mean prisoner. I'd rot in prisoner. I won't go back, Matt. Now, Doc, look, Hunter is here after two prisoners. I got no right to, to my own rules to go after one man and keep the other one covered. I always figured that the only kind of law that would work out here is an honest law. 
What are you going to do? Doc, I don't know. You're late, Matt. I decided you weren't going to stop in tonight. Is Chester around? Yeah, over there by the ferro table. Matt, what about this Virginian who's been hanging around for the last two days? Oh, Hunter? Yeah. He's a deputy sheriff, got a couple of warrants to serve. Why? Well, he's been asking questions. Some of the boys are getting a little skittish. Now, there's no call for it as long as they're not named Allison or Moore. Are you free now, Miss Kitty, huh? or are you busy? What's it look like? Well, I figured maybe he was just killing time. Uh, hiya, Marshal. Bunko? Uh, bought you a drink, Kitty. It's over on the bar. All right. Thanks. Matt, I'll be off in a couple of hours. Drop around. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I understand you've got a rival lawman in town, Marshal. Well, there's a deputy here from Virginia, if that's what you mean. I always figured you were the law here. Is he short in this town, Marshal? Say the word, we'll run him out. I ever ask you for help, Bunko? Well, no. When a man's short in Dodge, I'll run him out. And no offense, Marshal. You keep your own cinch tight. Don't worry about anybody else, huh? I'll see you, Bunko. I swear I never saw anybody such bad luck in all my life. My gracious, he ought to swear off Pharaoh and stick this dud. Oh, Chester. Hmm? The old Jethro Keener. He just lost three weeks' pay. And Bunko Benson, sitting right there beside him, mind you, picked up $230. So that's why he's feeling big. Uh, come on, Chester, let's take a walk. Huh? Yes, sir. Three weeks' pay. Mercy, I never saw such luck. What about Doc, Chester? He turned in a couple hours ago. That's when I came on over here. How's he acting? About as usual. No signs of planning to run out, if that's what you mean, Mr. Don. One thing he's doing, though, that he's never done before, he's toting a gun. Uh, good evening, Marshal. Oh, uh, hello, Mr. Hunter. Since you didn't come to me, Mr. Dillon, I've come to you. I'm wondering what progress you've made. Well, I, uh, I'm still checking. Any results at all, Marshal? Well, I don't have much to go on, you know. Now, Calvin Moore was a doctor by profession. He might still be practicing. I suggest we investigate the local doctors. Well, that wouldn't take long. We've only got one, Doc Adams. How long has he been here? Oh, about four years. How old a man is he? Mm, late 40s, I imagine. But he doesn't show much resemblance to that photograph you gave me. Well, maybe you're too used to him to notice the resemblance. Yeah, maybe. I'd like to look him over myself, Arthur. Well, uh, he's pretty busy out on calls most of the time. and uh, Not all the time. No, not all the time. All right, Mr. Hunter, I'll bring him around. Hmm. That's funny, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, he should have answered by now. Well, 
Well, we're wasting our time, Chester. He's gone. Well, now, he he, he might have got called out on a case. Yeah, I know, but I don't... Hey, what? Uh, that was across the plaza, down toward the Dodge House. Come on, Chester. Somebody sure is stirring up the smoke. Yeah, that's across the street. Edge of the railroad yards, I think. Is that you, Marshal? Yeah. What happened, Mr. Hunter? Somebody tried to kill me. I started into the hotel and they fired from the dock here. Yeah, I fired back, but he got away. You, uh, get a good look at him? Oh, no, I just saw the flashes. Well, this is an easy town to get killed in, Mr. Hunter. So it seems. About that doctor, Marshal. You didn't bring him around. Well, uh, he's out on call. I think I want to meet him more than ever now. We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, there's a world of wonderful entertainment awaiting you every weekday in the daytime with CBS Radio's roster of wonderful dramatic serials. This Monday, listen in. And now, for the second act of Gunsmoke. What time is it, Chester? Uh, 2.15 a.m., Mr. Dillon. Yeah. I sure hope we don't have to spend the whole night waiting here. I don't see how Doc quits up with the smell of all this medicine. He's used to it, I guess. Yeah. I suppose a man can get used to anything except dying. You think it could have been him that fired those shots, Mr. Dillon? Chester. Hmm? There's somebody coming. Come on in, Bunko. The doc's not here, but he'll probably be... Oh, what happened to your arm? I... I got thrown into a barbed wire fence. Here, let's have a look at it, huh? No, 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 no. It's, it's all right. It's a gunshot wound. All right, hold it, both of you. Well, is that the same gun you tried to kill Hunter with, Bunko? Stay where you are, Marshal. Yeah. Around 30 years old, dark hair, mustache... Medium build, excellent horseman, confirmed gambler. Wanted from her. John Allison. Alias Bunko Benson. Am I right, Bunko? He's not taking it back here. You stay where you are, Dylan. That don't be a fool, Bunko. Put away the gun. Stay back. I'm... I'm warning you. Bunko, All right, Chester, let's get him over to the jail. 
Just hold still now, Bunker. Just one more second. I'll have hold that bullet now, and then we'll just... Now, add that one to your collection, Matt. Well, I'll make Hunter a present of it. It wasn't bad shooting to be firing in the dark at a gun flash. He'll never get me back to Virginia. Now, hold still, Bunko. Oh, Don't expect right, a man but... to tie a bandage with your arm waving around like a mare's tail in fly time. See, how'd you know he'd come to my office, Matt? Uh, I didn't, Doc. We were waiting for you. Oh, I see. There we are. No, no, no. no. That ought to stop the bleeding. And don't loosen it up, Eddie. <laughs> and you'll live to hang yet. Don't worry about my hanging, Doc. I'll outlive you. Well, in view of the circumstances, uh, I'd say the odds are about even. Well, Matt, shall we adjourn to the front office? Yeah, come on, Doc. Uh, lock the cell, will you, Chester? Yes, Well, I turned in at 10 o'clock tonight. I've got one hour of sleep. They called me over to Mrs. Behan's. She thought her baby was on the way. False alarm, of course. Usually is the first day. And I got back and I came straight over here. Uh, Doc, you were wearing a gun earlier today. What'd you do with it? Oh, I put it back in the drawer where it belonged. I realized I was acting like a fool. Uh, was that where you were waiting in my office? Somebody tried to kill Hunter, and you thought... Look, Doc, I've tried to think of some way out of this. A a way out for both of us. I got one man under arrest back there now, and I I can't rightly set myself up as a judge and free the other man. I'd even hoped you'd cut and run for it. You'd get away if you did, you know. Hunter doesn't know the country. I've been running for 17 years, Matt, and... And it's still caught up with me. I'm too old to run any farther. What are you going to do? I'm a lawman, Doc, right or wrong. Well, then I guess I'm under arrest. No, I I, I didn't say that. I I just said that. Doc Captain's here. There's a... Oh, there you are, Doc. Yes, yes, what's the trouble? The fellow over in the railroad yards asleep on the track. He was drunk, I guess. They were switching cars. You better come, Doc. He's awful bad. I got two lanterns, Mr. Dillon. That ought to be enough. Good, Chester. You ready, Doc? You're ready as I ever be. All right, let's go, uh, he said near the loading pens down this way, I guess. Yes, sir. It looks like some lights over there. People around. Yeah. Marshal, is that you? Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, Hunter. Uh, I thought you went to bed hours ago. I'm a light sleeper, Mr. Dillon. I heard there's an accident over in the yards. Thought it might give me a chance to meet your local doctor. Well, I, uh, guess you can meet him right now if you want to. Doc, this is Ed Hunter. Doc Adams. How do you do, sir? Mr. Hunter? I, uh, I got one of your prisoners locked up, Mr. Hunter, John Allison. Known here as Bunko Benson. Good. I just found out he's the man who tried to kill you tonight. He caught one of your bullets in his arm. I see. Why, then it's one down and one to go. There's Calvin Moore. Dr. Calvin Moore. Uh, This is no time to stand around making chin music. I'm sorry, Hunter. That's quite all right, Marshal. I'll go with you.
Uh, will you pardon us, please? Uh, all right, will you move back and let us through here, please? Here, here, Doc, this way. Yeah, I'm right, will you, Matt? Uh, please stand back now, will you? Give Doc a chance to yes, work. Yes, uh, please, please, just stand back. Uh, oh, oh, bad is right. Uh, well, we'll do what we can. Come on. That man who's hurt, Marshal, who is he? Oh, just a drifter. Been around Dodge a couple of years. Calls himself Texas Joe. No friends or family. Nobody knows where he came from. It's the usual story. Oh, easy now, Tex. We'll have you fixed up here in just a couple of shakes. Is is that you, Doc? Hey, that's right. <laughs> I told him, get you. Be all right if you got here. Why, sure, it'll be all right. You just lie still now. And... Yeah. Certainly has to work under primitive conditions. Doc? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Chester, will you get those lanterns going and give Doc some more light? Yes, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, he's the only real doctor this side of Abilene. Hey, Mr. Dillon, is there anything I can do to help? I guess not, Miss Kelly. Thanks, anyway. Poor old Tex. Why, he stopped in the restaurant not more than four hours ago. I fixed him a meal. Uh, you never know. Well, Doc can pull him through if anybody can. Sure he can. Uh, put one of those lanterns on the other side there, Chester. Yes, you seem to have a lot of faith in this Dr. Adams. They've got reason to, Mr. Hunter. Uh, Matt, uh, could you give me a hand? Here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure, Doc. Uh, lift his head up just a little bit there, Matt. Yeah, all right. right. Not much of a chance. All I can do is make him comfortable. Marshal Dillon. Now, don't try to talk, Taxi. You're going to be all right. You, you've been decent to me, Marshal. Just a bum, but you treated me square. You and Doc, only friends I got. Sure, Tex. I... I got one more favor to ask. Could someone... Could someone read me some scripture? Oh, Tex, I... I just don't recall anything. Oh, sure, I, I know some. Uh, Mrs. Kelly, I, I doubt if you I, can... I can hear... Please. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Uh, Mrs. Kelly. He restoreth my soul. Uh, Mrs. Kelly. He... Uh, I think that's enough. Poor soul. Well, you can't win them all, I guess. No, you can't win them all, Doctor. Well, I... Doctor, as the only physician here, I suppose you also function as coroner. That's right. This man will be buried under the name of Texas Joe. Hey, don't you worry about that. Excuse Boot Hill is full of men buried under nicknames. In this country, we... Doc! Doc, I just came from... Oh, what, Kitty? Oh, uh, Doc, I, I've been sitting up with Mrs. B, and you left too soon. She needs you over there right away. Well, then it wasn't a false alarm. No. Oh, all right, Kitty, I'll be there just as quick as I can, but... Well, well, as soon as I... Uh, Kitty, you go on back over and do what you can for her, huh? Doc will be along. Oh, all right, Matt, you better hurry. 
Well, Mr. Hunter, I, uh... Our gentlemen, this seems to have been my lucky night. Both my fugitives located within an hour of each other. I guess there's nothing I one can do One of them safely to... in jail and one of them dead. What? Didn't you notice the resemblance, Marshal? That Texas Joe there, he's obviously the man in the photograph. I saw it immediately. Well, Mr. I hope Hunter, you'll I... take all the necessary steps to see that he's buried under his real name, Calvin Moore. His death, of course, closes the case, and I'll be leaving for Virginia with my other prisoner tomorrow. Well, Mr. Hunter, I... I just don't know what to say. Well, I... Now, I'd say it's no time to stand around making chin music, Dr. Adams. You have a patient waiting, and this town seems to depend on you. Well, of course, but... Yeah, you got I... work to do, Doc. And, uh, Doc, make sure it's a boy, huh? Well, I'll, uh... <laughs> um, I'll do my darndest, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, good night, gentlemen. Good night, Doc. Good night, Doc. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Les Crutchfield, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Lou Krugman, Paul Dubov, and Vivi Janis. Harley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Stay tuned for A Day in the Life of Dennis Day next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for A Day in the Life of Dennis Day with guest star Jack Benny. Gentlemen, Colgate Dental Cream presents the Dennis Day Show, written by Frank Galen, with Sharon Douglas, Paula Winslow, Dink Trout, John Brown, Charles Danton, the orchestra, yours truly, Vern Smith, and starring our popular young singer in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Twice a day and before every date, use Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. Here's Dennis to sing My Pretty Girl. 
My pretty girl, my pretty girl, I'm always dreaming of you. My pretty girl, my pretty girl, my darling, how I love you. Promise me you will never leave me. Promise me you will never grieve me. Promise me you will not deceive me. Oh, my pretty girl, please give me just one kiss, one sweet kiss you won't miss. For your kiss brings such bliss to my lonely heart. My pretty girl, my pretty girl, I'm always dreaming of you. My pretty girl, my pretty girl, my darling, how I love you. Promise me you will never leave me. Promise me you will never grieve me. Promise me you will not deceive me. Oh, my pretty girl. Okay, now, grab your partner. Oh, lead him up center and around outside and down on your corner. Oh, swing, oh, swing that pretty little girl. I promenade the one that's left behind you. Through the night, let my arms hold you tight, and with dawn's early light, let me take you home. My pretty girl, my pretty girl, I'm always dreaming of you. My pretty girl, my pretty girl, my darling, I love you. Promise me you will never leave me. Promise me you will never grieve me. Promise me you will not deceive me. Oh, my pretty girl, promise me. young hero Dennis Day works behind the soda fountain of Willoughby's Drugstore in the little community of Weaverville. Now, you'll say it's hardly likely that a small-town soda jerk's name should become a byword in our nation's capital at Washington, D.C. Well, likely or not, that's exactly what's happened. In Washington's National Income Tax Bureau, an excited clerk has just discovered that a perverse fate chose to single out our hero from among the millions. Great Scott, Charlie, look at this. What's the matter? Some guy named Dennis Day sent us $10 to pay his income tax. Only he figured it wrong, and we found we had to refund him some money. How much? $10. Well, what about it? Well, just look at this voucher, man. The check printing machine went crazy. We sent him a check for $100,000. What are we going to do about it, Charlie? Ah, forget it. (laughs) Forget it. Charlie, the Democrats aren't here anymore. I'm taking the next plane to Weaverville. But at the Anderson boarding house in Weaverville, it's quite apparent that the envelope containing the $100,000 check is not yet in the hands of its young addressee. For we find the most discouraged Dennis talking to his girlfriend, Mildred Anderson. A flop, that's what I am, Mildred. A complete failure. Oh, now, Dennis, don't talk like that. But it's true. Here I am, 22 years old and making only $8 a week. (laughs) Well, you have a roof over your head and three good meals a day. There's more to life than just food and shelter, Mildred. There are other things I'd like to have, too, like shoes. (laughs) 
maybe if you'd asked Mr. Willoughby for a raise... But I did, just the other day. I said to him, Mr. Willoughby, why don't you be fair? Pay me what I'm worth. And he refused? Yeah, he said no one could live on less than $8 a week. (laughs) It's no use, Mildred. I'm going to leave Weaverville. That's all. Oh, now, don't say that, Dennis. I know what your whole trouble is. You just don't inspire confidence in people. You... Well, you look so young. Gosh, that isn't my fault, Mildred. It could happen to anybody 22 years old. Oh, I know it's not your fault, but we ought to do something about it. Let's think a minute. How can we age you? Age me? Yes. What makes a man look older? Do you know what makes my father look older, for instance? Sure, but I'm not married to her. (laughs) Silly. But if you looked older, like my father... Good morning, Mildred. Good morning, young man. Morning, Mother. Morning, Mrs. Anderson. Mother Dennis was just telling me how discouraged he is. He wants to leave Weaverville. Yeah, for good. Never come back. That's the way to talk, my boy. Go to it. (laughs) You'll do no such thing. We've decided the only reason he isn't a success is because he looks so young. I've brought in the mail, Pupsy. <laughs> morning, children. Morning, Good morning, Father. Mr. Anderson. I'll take those letters, Herbert. Uh, yes, lover girl. <laughs> oh, here's one for you, Dennis. It's from the Income Tax Bureau in Washington, D.C. Gosh, I hope I'm not in some kind of trouble. Well, come along, Herbert. We have housework to do. Yes, I know. Lead the way, light of my life. <laughs> I better open this letter and see what it is. Oh, I should say so. Mr. Dennis Day, dear sir, enclosed, please find check in the amount of $10 covering refund on overpaid income tax. Boy, that's a relief. I thought I was going to go to jail. Oh, well, is the check in it? Yeah, it's down at the bottom of the envelope. There, you see? Just when everything looked darkest, along comes the government and sends you a $10 tax refund. I know, but it's nothing I can depend on every week. <laughs> Well, I'd better deposit this at the bank on my way to work. I'll see you tonight, Mildred, huh? All right, Dennis. Oh, oh, here, give Daddy these glasses on your way out. He left them on the table before when... Dennis! Huh? My father's glasses, don't you see? Those glasses with a black silk ribbon. Why, they put 20 years on you. But, Mildred, 20... Oh, Dennis, they're just what we've been looking for. Try them on. Well, okay. There, how do I... Mildred, where are you? Come back! (laughs) I haven't moved an inch. It's the glasses. Oh, but Dennis, you have no idea how distinguished they make you look. Can't you see yourself in that mirror on the wall? I can't even see the wall. (laughs) Never mind. Just keep them on when you go down to the bank. Oh, you'll see what a difference it makes in the way people treat you. Gosh, I hope so. Am I pointed in the direction of the bank? Uh Uh-huh. Good. Give me a push. And so off our hero went, completely unaware that in his pocket was a check on the United States Treasury for $100,000. Entering the bank, he removed his glasses so he could find the deposit window, then put them back on, took his check out of the envelope, and presented it to the teller. I'd like to deposit this check, please. Where's your deposit slip? Oh, do you need one of those? What I have to go through with these jerks. <laughs> All right, give me the check. Pay to the order of Dennis Day. Yay, 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 yay. This is your check, sir? Yeah, is there anything wrong with it? Oh, no, sir. No, Your Honor. Your Worship, sir. <laughs> Gee, for a minute, I didn't think these glasses were going to work. 
Would you mind stepping over to our president's office, sir? I'm sure Mr. Courtney would like to take care of you personally. Really? Oh, yes, sir. Naturally, if he'd known you were coming, he'd have called a special meeting of the board of directors. Boy, what glasses. <laughs> Would you wait just a moment? I'll tell Mr. Courtney you're here. Mr. Courtney, there's a very important depositor outside, a Mr. Dennis Day. Dennis Day? Never heard of him. What's he look like? An eccentric millionaire. He's wearing pince-nez glasses on a black ribbon attached to his sweatshirt. <laughs> he, uh, he wants to deposit this. Well, here, let me see it. Day to the order of Dennis Day. Yipe! Well, don't, don't, don't stand there. Send him right in. Yes, sir. Right this way, Mr. Day. This is Mr. Courtney, our president. It's a privilege to meet you, sir. Glad to meet you, Mr. Courtney. No, no, no. You're shaking the curtain. I'm over here. <laughs> oh, pardon me. Oh, do sit down, Mr. Day. Can I offer you a clear Havana? Oh, no, thanks. I'm not thirsty. <laughs> Very good. So you wish to deposit this check with us, eh? That's right. If I'm not too personal, how did you happen to get a government check of this size? It's a refund on my income tax. <laughs> Merciful heavens, I... Uh, will you be making deposits of this amount often? I guess so. That's about what my weekly salary is. <laughs> Again? Uh, will you be making withdrawals, too, Mr. Day? Oh, yes, of course. Well, be sure and let us know in time so we can bring up the bank's reserves from New York, eh? Gee, this bank operates with very little cash, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, we'll grow, Mr. Day. Uh, by the way, what business are you in? Oh, I'm learning the drug business. Learning. <laughs> I'll bet you're cleaning up plenty for a beginner, eh, Mr. Day? Oh, yes, sir. Every morning. <laughs> That's rich. You, you you work in a big chain, I presume? Oh, no, sir. My boss trusts me. <laughs> I, George, you do have a sense of humor. Say, I, I hope you won't think I'm too forward, Mr. Day, but, well, I've been thinking of taking a little flyer lately. How do you like the market? Fine. The food is good, and it seems very clean. <laughs> hmm. I'm sorry, Mr. Courtney, but I have to get back to the drugstore. I'm awfully late for work. Oh, I quite understand, but would you do one favor for me? Take this along, read it in your spare time, and phone me and tell me what you think about it. What is it? It's a financial statement of the company I'm thinking of buying shares in, the Seattle, San Antonio, and Montreal Railroad. Yes, sir, I'll be glad to. Oh, thank you, sir. I'm terribly grateful. I do want to make a success of my career. Just as you have. Well, there's nothing hard about it. All you need is a pair of these glasses. <laughs> Gosh, I've never been so late to work. Mr. Willoughby's going to be furious. Oh, well, I guess I may as go, well go in and face him. I better put the glasses back on. At least he can't hit me if I'm wearing them. Dennis, my boy, my dear, dear boy. Son! Gee, they even work on him. I'm sorry I'm so late, sir. You're talking to the Coca-Cola machine. I'm over here. Oh, excuse me. Oh, that's all right, son. 
I just had a phone call from my nephew. He's a teller over at the bank. Dennis, my boy, why didn't you tell me? Tell you? Of course. Dennis, I've known all along there was something in that head of yours. But it never occurred to me it might be a brain. <laughs> a brain? Sure. And here you were all the time living like a poor boy. How did you ever do it? It wasn't so hard on my salary. <laughs> ah, we won't speak of salary anymore, Dennis. From now on, you're going to be my partner in this drugstore. I better get another pair of these glasses in case this pair breaks. <laughs> you see, son, I figure we can really fix this place up for about $5,000. And what's 5000 to a man like you, huh? <laughs> the same as 500 Yeah, just about. But, Mr. Willoughby... Tut, tut, my boy. Consider yourself a full-fledged partner. Oh, there's a customer coming in. Take off your glasses and wait on him. Partner. You bet I will, partner. You just watch me. Now that I'm a partner, I'll sell him everything in the store. How do you do, sir? Can I serve you, sir? Yes, uh, I just, uh, I just weighed myself on your scale outside. It's, uh, it's broken and I'd like my penny back. The scale isn't broken, sir. I say it is. It's got a sign on it that says your weight and your fortune for a penny. I got my weight, but the place where the fortune was supposed to be came out blank. Well, that scale always works, sir. Maybe you've just got no future. Now, uh, look, uh, I'm not going to argue about it. If you want to get tough, I'll have a lawyer up here in ten minutes. Gosh, you'd go through all that just for a penny? It isn't the penny. Believe me, I've taken girls out and spent a hundred times that on them. <laughs> Yes, that I was dying to have my fortune told. Well, if you'll give me your palm, I'll be very happy to read it for you. That won't do. Now, do I get my penny or don't I? Well, I can't give it to you, sir, but I'll take it up with the company that owns the scale. If you'll fill out this form, you should have your money within a few months. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. I'm almost tempted to forget the whole thing. Yes, sir. I said almost. <laughs> yes, sir. Could I have your name, please? Uh, the name Benny. Benny what? Uh, Jack. <laughs> Jack Benny. And your address, sir? Care of F.E. Boone, Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I'll have them send you the money as quickly as possible. See that you do. Or the next time I weigh myself, somebody else will get my business. Good day. Good day, sir. Benny. Jack Benny. Gee, that name is awfully familiar. No, it's no use. I can't seem to place him. You mean Mr. Courtney actually asked for your advice? Uh-huh. And that isn't all. After I got back from the bank, Mr. Willoughby made me a partner in his drugstore. Golly, all this just from wearing Daddy's glasses. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, put them on quick. Here comes Mother up the walk. Okay, here it comes. The final test. Dennis, my son! 
son. My own dear sweet son. Now I know they're foolproof. Oh, Dennis, I've heard about you from just everyone downtown. I want you to know how proud and happy I am to have you boarding here. Gee, thanks, Mrs. Anderson. Now, about that two weeks' rent I owe you, Oh, Dennis, my son. Oh, here, let me take your coat. Okay, but you'll be losing money on the deal. (laughs) I mean to hang up. (laughs) Just to hang up, silly boy. (laughs) Oh, Mildred, I'm so proud of him, aren't you? Oh, yes, Mother. Dennis, my son. My dear, fine son. Gosh, you too, Mr. Anderson? These are your glasses. Oh, Dennis, I feel like your mother as well as Mildred's. I... I wonder if you'd mind kissing me in a motherly sort of way. Sure, Mrs. Anderson, I'd be glad to. You kissed me, Dennis. Poopsie's over there. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Pardon me, Mr. Anderson. Well, now suppose we all go into the dining room and have... Oh, I wonder who that is. I'll answer it. Yes? How do you do? My name is Elliot. I'm a reporter on the Middletown News. My editor sent me over for an interview with a Mr. Dennis Day. Why, that's me. Good. Mr. Day, we understand you just received one of the largest income tax refunds ever given out. I did? Gosh, the government's pretty stingy, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, Be that as it may, I'm here to get the story of America's leading drug tycoon. Just how did you get your start in life, Mr. Day? Well, my father called the doctor in the middle of the night and they rushed my... Not that far back! Uh, we're only interested in your business career, Mr. Day. And by the way, why weren't we able to locate you in Dun and Bradstreet? Well, oh, that's easy, because I live at 4th and Elm. <laughs> this interview should make me famous in journalism. Do you mind if I ask you a few general questions, Mr. Day? Fire away. <laughs> Believe me, I'd love to. <laughs> What do you think of the high cost of living? Oh, I intend to keep on doing it, no matter how high the cost gets. (laughs) Do you mind if I don't quote you on that? Not at all. Thank you. What have you to say on the subject of Russia? It gets very cold there. (laughs) Just the stuff our readers want. Anything else on Russia? Well, just that it's good that there is a Russia because there are so many Russians that if there weren't a Russia, where would they all go? (laughs) Excellent question. My editor also wants to know what you think of the Japanese situation. Personally, I think my editor has stones in his head, but here goes. What do you know about Japan? Well, Japan is smaller than Russia. Now we're getting somewhere And it's much warmer and has fewer Russians Scoop after scoop And now to return to the home front For what reason I can't imagine How do you feel about labor? I think a person should, unless he's lazy. I put 
put it down just as you said it. <laughs> well, that concludes one of the most amazing afternoons of my life. Thank you, Mr. Day, and goodbye. Goodbye, sir. Oh, uh, whereabouts in your newspaper will this interview appear? In our lost and found column. Goodbye. <laughs> that, Dennis? Oh, some fella from a newspaper. I've been interviewed. Oh, Dennis, how wonderful. You'll be famous all over the country. Gee, what do you know? I'll bet that's the newsreels. Oh, I do hope so. Come in. Anybody named Dennis Day live here? Yes, sir, that's me. So you're the fella. I'm from Washington, Mr. Day. I'm sorry, but I do not choose to run. <laughs> I'm from the Income Tax Bureau. I'm here to correct a little mistake. Mistake? Yeah, that tax refund check we sent you for $100,000 was a little off. It should have been for 10 bucks. Oh, so that's it. A mistake. I should have known. Wait a minute. I don't understand. We what? thought you were rich, you idiot. We thought you got an income tax refund of $100,000. Oh, gosh, no. I don't pay that much income tax in two years. <laughs> Dennis Day, you're an imbecile. If you... Gosh, what traffic tonight. Come in. Dennis, my boy, my wonderful boy. Wait, Mr. Courtney, it's all a mistake. Oh, I know that. I've seen the income tax man. But you saved me a fortune today. When you called at noon and said not to buy Seattle, San Antonio, and Montreal, I didn't. And this afternoon, it went down 12 points. Gosh. This $100 is for you, Dennis. And thanks. Oh, Dennis, my dear, sweet son. Oh, I can't get over it. A young man with no financial experience, and he tells me not to touch that stock. How did you know? Why, from that statement I read, Mr. Courtney. The statement? Sure. It said that their assets were $15 million and their liabilities were $15 million. Yes? Why, that darn railroad was just barely breaking even. <laughs> Here's Dennis Day and Charles Dance's beautiful arrangement of the anniversary song. Oh, how we dance on the night we were wed. We Oh, 
Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Hop Along Cassidy, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.